This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, ERP Strategies for Mergers and Acquisitions. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's webinar, ERP Strategies for Mergers and Acquisitions. Sean Wendell is our speaker for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. Sean has over 20 years of experience in the enterprise software industry, helping hundreds of clients across many industries with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. On today's call, Sean will share his insights on how identifying the right ERP strategy for your business can help be the linchpin in realizing the benefits of your M&A investments. Sean, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. There we go. How oh, are you? Oh, there we go. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, that dreaded mute, right? I know. Yes. That was the, the theme of 2021. You're on mute. Right, exactly. So, all right. Well, simply put, I mean, this is a big topic, right, to try to digest. And I think um, today we're just going to break it down um, as it relates to ERP systems for M&As um, and how the aspect of having the right ERP strategy can be essential for a successful deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think... Um, I mean, the little bit I know, which is not much, like most businesses, their processes are embedded in their ERP system, right? And so related to an M&A, like what does ERP have to do with buying new businesses or merging one company with another? Yeah, Can you start us off with that? Cool. It's a, it's a great point. It's a great question. Um, and I mean, from our world, it's like everything, right? But, but, but I can get out of my world for a little bit, right? Out of the world of ERP. Oops, excuse me. This had a little burp. 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 No, um, but, but really look broadly at, um, you know, a, a, an organization or people basically that want to, let's just say the acquisition, right? They want to go out and buy another company. For whatever reason, we won't even get into all the reasons that's in the world of the MA guys and gals, that's their world. But but so let's say they go out and uh, like one of our clients did, they wanted to buy a company because it had an adjacent product to a product that they sell, meaning it was related, right? In the same kind of family of products. So we sell product A today, but geez, we could sell A and B tomorrow together and we could increase the market for both. We're already selling to the same customers so you can reduce some costs. So it sort of makes sense. You know, we're not doing any dating analogies now that we're out of February, but you know, it's sort of like people kind of moving in together. You get a roommate, you share stuff and, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper to do business, right? That's some of the reasons why they did that. Okay. So, so then the company goes out looks at the other company they're interested in buying. And they're like, yeah, okay, so what are we buying, right? Well, there's physical assets that they can purchase, like inventory, if they have inventory. Um, they may own a building, but they probably don't. It's probably more like assets, like let's say it's a distributor that has a forklift or there's other machinery or desks or computers, or whatever they buy, right? There's stuff, there's real things that they buy. But what they're really buying the organization for, if it's an operating kind of M&A deal, 
is for how the business operates, the brand name, the, the products that they sell in the market, the channels that they have, and all of the sort of intellectual property that that company has developed. Drag lacking so far? I am. I am. Good. Yes. Okay, good. So now, now where does all of that like how to or the procedures of how you run that business, where is it? And you said it exactly. It's really in the systems. So how do we do planning? How do we do sales order functionality and fulfillment and accounting and reporting and all this stuff? It's actually in the ERP. <clears throat> now, of course, it's, it's, it's even more so in the people um, that are doing this stuff day in and day out, right? So that's the other value that, that an acquirer will have is to get these great people that know what they're doing in this space. But there's that software sitting there that's like, wow, you know, they run the business with a software. It's important that we get the software and um, it'll help us. Then after we acquire the business, you know, if things change, which frankly happens a lot, right, where people sort of come in, they go, whatever. The software is there to sort of automate all the business processes and stays there. So, so from an acquirer's standpoint, I don't know. I mean, I think this is why we wanted to do this. And we're going to do some blogs and some white papers and all that stuff to help really these folks out there that are doing these acquisitions. I think most are aware of it, but it's it's just a lot of times they really, when an acquirer is going in and buying the business, they really don't do the diligence on the ERP to really understand what it is that they're getting. Now, if they're just going out to buy product like a brand or a service, you know, maybe maybe we're it's a services firm and we've just worked with a big international services firm and they're buying organizations throughout the world and they wanted the geographic locations, they wanted the resources, who had the experience, the systems maybe don't matter as much, right? In that case, they, and which is really true because that all the knowledge sits in the person's heads that they're buying. But the problem with heads is that they can walk out of the room, right? That's right. So, so looking at a business from a, or really, yeah, business from a, um, a diligence on the ERP can really help the acquirer to say, whoa, there's a lot of enterprise value that we're getting here from the system because the know-how where the business is in the app. And we'll talk all, all about this here through this call, but, but that is another factor that comes into it that we've seen organizations get valued higher, meaning the cost of buying them is higher because the systems are set up in a way that they run through the systems versus maybe less in the people. I mean, it's always about the people. I don't care what anybody says. Right. Um, but, but yeah, there's there's a little bit to get us started, if that makes sense. Yes. No, it makes perfect sense. And um, I don't know if this is the right time to ask this question or if maybe later in the call, but could an, uh, a merger or an acquisition end based on whatever the ERP system that current company has? Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh boy. Again, no dating analogies, but you know, you get, you start, you know, into the relationship and the acquirer starts the diligence on the acquiree. They like the people, they like the leaders, they like the products or the service, whatever they offer. Looks good. Continue the discussion. Hey, let me take a look at your systems. And they go in and they're like, oh my gosh, you're running on an application that's 30 years old that's running on an old server that's not supported by Microsoft, the operating platform anymore. So the security risk is high and you're running everything in your business off this, this old app that nobody supports the app anymore. 
well, okay, we still want to do the deal, but we're going to add another million dollars or take a million dollars off of the purchase price to pay for a new ERP implementation. Oh, right. So they can still continue for sure. And there are mitigations that that folks can do, right? It's sort of like, I think we should use the house analogies for March because it's the, who knows what's going to happen with interest rates and man, it's just been through the roof instead of the dating analogies of February. Right. So March is about buildings and houses. So it'd be like going into a house where you're like, oh God, I love this. I love the location. I love the features and this and that. Whoa, you open up the, you know, go into the basement and there's like water, right? Is that going to stop you from buying the house? Well, it depends on how deep the damage goes and how much it's going to cost to fix it, right? Um, and so it's sim- very similar to that, right? That if all the other indicators are pretty good, they, we can remediate ERP issues for sure. But the problem is, is that most folks don't know to, what to even look for when they're doing an acquisition on the ERP side to even know, oh, hey, a couple of years later, guess what? We got to dump $10 million into the business because the software isn't working. Right. Right, right. So it's not necessarily a deal breaker, but it absolutely like could affect the bottom line, right? Yeah. And I mean, as you're saying that too, Julia, I'm, I'm kind of thinking through my, my history. Um, let's say, though, that a business um, is, uh, okay, here's, here's a great, great, very apropos example. Um, so, so we had a client that was very fast growing on their way to doing a SPAC, right? One of the, um, the special purpose acquisition companies to do basically to do a public um, offering and um, through this SPAC vehicle and their systems were um, custom, like their whole business was built on a digital platform. Their whole business was digital. Everything was digital. That's what they offered. And their accounting system was very, very uh, rudimentary. And there was a lot of enterprise data and transactions flying around. And they had solutions to track it all. But it was very, very, very complex. And their concern was um, they weren't going to be able to do the public offering because the systems weren't audible. They just weren't. It took like developers who'd worked in the systems for a long time to figure out how things were working. So you can see how if another organization was to go to that that organization to that business and say, okay, we want to buy you, but you know you're all digital and we're really just buying the system, and the system has inherent risks in it. Um, uh, we're not going to do it, right? So so the more that the business model depends on the software, like it would be like buying the house. And if the ERP is like that foundation right. versus like the roof, right, right. then you're not going to buy that house because it's going to cost you, you know, as much to fix the house as it is to buy it. Same thing with M&A, with the merger or with the acquisition side, where if the software is so vital to the operations, which it usually is like not quite, right. <laughs> like 30, 25 to 30%. Yeah. yeah. So does that help? It helps. And with that said, um, from your experience of working with companies going through uh, an M&A, do companies usually acquire a new ERP ERP system with an acquisition when they acquire a different company? That is such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I think, again, I'm trying to really look across what I know, not just our experiences with clients, because the client, the PEs will bring us in to help them to switch the ERPs, right? But, but, you know, I would say, 
Um, the minority of the times they switch ERPs. Hmm, interesting. And, yeah. And, and here's why, because, and I don't know if that's 20% or 40%, but it's not, it's not the majority. It, it isn't. Um, because the switching the ERP is really risky, like really, really risky, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes people out of their sort of core business and what they're doing, all the stuff we talk about, right? That we don't hide. Um, but, but to do that, you really got to have the right team. You got to have the time. You got to have the capital. Um, I would say that maybe more of the longer term investors are the ones that do it. They are the ones that say, you know, look, we're not, we're not in this for a three-year turnaround kind of thing, right? Because if you only have three years to get a return on your investment, that's not right. a lot of time, right? right. Especially because the software, oh, it's going to take a year, uh, two, right? Oh, it'll take uh, you know six months, 12 months, right? Unless you're some of our clients that are PE-backed that just bang it out and get it done, which is a great way to do it. Right. But um, the risk is so significant and the cost is so high that you need time to get a return on the investment, especially with PE guys and gals that are very financially focused, you know, an, an owner operator might be like, ah, let's do it. And we're doing this for the long term and it's okay. Whereas the financier is like, ah, I got to get a return to my investors. And if I don't, I get fired. So, you know, we'll hold off on the ERP for now and come to that, come back to that a couple of years later and then whoop, they sell the business and it becomes right. somebody else's. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, it seems like um, there's enough going on during an acquisition or a merger, like to add in a new ERP system into the mix. I mean, that's a lot to ask, especially for the employees that are already going through that change, Right. Absolutely. You are spot on. And and I will tell you, I have seen a huge difference with the employee thinking in just even in the last year Hmm. where people are, um, there's a lot of business that's still happening despite COVID despite mandates and whatever else is. I mean, we've got things happening overseas that are, you know, terrible. And But business is going on and people are getting busier and busier and busier with their day jobs. And organizations are still in that sort of investment mode. They're out doing new things. They are acquiring new businesses. So there's so much just like day-to-day upkeep that people have to do to just do the basics, right? It's like the basics, like the accounting departments are busier than ever. And, and that's, you know, why they're looking to do a lot of automation, frankly. But, but I, I really see that, that, you know, I thought, I remember in 2020, um, I think it was around Christmas time in the, the November, December timeframe, I was telling my clients, like, I really don't think we should try to go live um, at the holidays because people are fried. They are like, you know, they, they either got sick, they had somebody got sick or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're freaking out about their jobs and their lives and their kids are at home all the time and they're driving them up the, the walls. And, you know, like, just let's not do any go lives when people are like, you know, already about to, you know, ah. Um, but I, I still think that's what I see that that sort of level of anxiety still in a lot of our clients where people are working hard, tons of supply chain issues. I mean, it's like a cliche thing to talk about all oh, the supply chain issues. But no, I was on a call yesterday and the client's like our stuff was sitting on the dock like it was at the dock and our customers calling and calling and calling saying, where is this? Where is this? Where is this? 
Well, the customer who is much bigger than than our client, you know, he basically said, I, I, "You guys just need to go to the dock and get it. I don't know what to tell you. I can't get a a provider, a freighter, to go pick it up. They're busy. They're losing our orders. You know, I, I it's been saying I don't know what to do. Like, I mean, this is like craziness, wow. right? Yeah. So it, we're still in this crazy time period. So. So that's why I say, and I think it's going to level off. I think, you know, going into the spring, I know in Colorado where we're at, as I look out the window, you know, it's getting prettier. The Green Mountain, we have this beautiful view of Green Mountain starting to turn a little bit green. Like, I think we're going to have a beautiful spring. I think throughout the whole country, we're all coming out of a deep freeze. Things will sort of settle down, I think, you know, again, overseas. And I think people's kind of Oh, you know, they're, they're going to be a little more whatever, but I will tell you, there's still a lot of baby boomers selling their business because they're worried about capital gains tax. So there there are going, and there's a boatload of money that private equity has tons and tons and tons of cash because the ROIs are so great. So there's still going to be deals. So that was my long, 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 long way of saying like, that is something we look at is can this team really do this ERP work now? And maybe, yeah, we need it. But not at the expense of losing these key people. Like, and right. sometimes though, you know, maybe we don't need the people. Maybe they're not key. I was just on a conversation this morning with a guy who's working with a private equity team where they bought a $150 million food company. All the execs are out. Every single one of them's out. So, and all the people that were involved in their systems are out. So, so now there's new people coming in and they're trying to figure out like, what do we do with the software? And they got to do something with it too. So Right. You know, again, you just got to be aware of these poor people and just where they're at, you know, and, and make sure you incentivize them for sure. Because um, they are not only doing the, the diligence, bringing these businesses together, um, but then they're probably worried about their jobs also. I know, oh, hey, let's do an ERP implementation. So maybe let's back off a little bit, let things calm down, do the project. Because if you're going to do it, I mean, we talk about this all the time, Juliet, do it to win, like, do it to do it right and get it in and get it done and move on. And if you can't do that, you're just you're just wasting a lot of people's time. And then people get plowed into the ground even more because of a failed implementation. That's right. That's right. And as you've said, like that can cost someone their job. Oh, I mean, right. and and then Fourth it can cost it can cost a private equity, um, you know, a loss in a in a return where it's we're talking about, you know, severe implications to, you know, to portfolio returns and it's it's just bad. So there is that's why there isn't any an answer of yes, you got to switch your ERP or no. You have to assess the scene to say what's really happening here. And then I think it's obvious. I think it becomes a lot of sense because other times uh, like another client that we're in, like they're like, okay, we're ready for a new system. We've been struggling. The old owners they weren't willing to, you know, to, to uh, you know, get the dollars to do it, right? And now the new owner is, we're all in. This is great, right? Oh, this is fantastic. That's You love seeing that. Yeah. Well, considering the fear and the anxiety that maybe people are having that you mentioned, what would happen if a, if a new company decided they wanted to keep the existing um, software after the merger and acquisition? Like, what is, is there a case for leaving the legacy system in place? Oh, absolutely. Right. We, we had a, a, a company, a client a couple of years ago that was uh, very aggressive on a very, very aggressive acquisition. Um, I wouldn't say spree. I guess I just did. Sounds like aggressive shopping spree at Target. 
right? Like my wife goes in for one thing and then she ends up with like a million. But we're not talking about her because it's not February anymore. But that's right. anyway, <laughs> that's, but, but it's true that they were they were buying, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten companies a year. And there was a very strategic reason why. And they left the um, the legacy companies on their existing software, but they did ask for mandated data in a certain format so that they could upload that into what they called, and I think it's the right phrase, a super GL, which was audible. And then they also had a business intelligence framework to do really deep um, operational analysis. And then we had the financials over here. And then we had all the subsystems out here, which I, lo- I loved that solution for them. I, I mean, the thought of rolling out a new ERP across the world, that scares the hell out of me. And I, I do this for a living, right? And, and like we had another uh, prospective client out of the Netherlands that was looking at doing that great family business, several hundreds of years old, been around forever, looking at rolling out an ERP. And I, I just... I just wasn't sure that was the right thing for them, right? I just didn't feel like, you know, putting one system across the world was the right thing. And and I guess what made me feel that way was um, the people leading the project saw the vision. Nobody else in the organization did. So that's very, very, very risky, at least as far as I could tell. We didn't get that deep into that deal. We actually passed because we didn't have the experience in that particular country. Um, but it was it was really interesting to see how the risk that a, a project leader could take on and be willing to do everything about it. But then, you know, sometimes they just go away and now the company's stuck with all the software. So it's it's there's definitely cases where it makes sense to switch um, or not switch in this instance, right. like you said, stay on legacy, pump the data up. Right. And maybe we don't get pure 100 percent visibility into the operations. Um, but that's also what people are for to go find out what it is. But then I have other clients are like, no, you are coming into our platform because we do want to be able to do demand planning, material requirements planning, forecasting across all of the divisions, all of the entities, because we can save a ton of money and we can actually drive a lot of efficiencies that way. So yeah. it goes both ways. But you got to look at it. Don't just do one or the other. That's the key point. Well, um, Again, not truly knowing much about this topic. Um, do okay. So, if there's an acquisition, do they tend to change the ERP system or stay with the legacy software? And then, if it's a merger, do they absolutely change it, or do they tend to stay with the existing software? So, so like I said, if if you have a company A buys company B, right? I think. Like I said, it, uh, it well. Let me let me say let me do this separately. Let's say it's a private equity company, so it's an investment company that buys an, a portfolio company, right? So this is just an, the the purpose of this entity is to make returns on capital. That's what they do. So they go out and buy companies. They help this company to to perform better in the market, and then they will sell it, right? That is what's going to happen. So they buy a house. At a hundred thousand, and they sell it at two hundred thousand dollars. That's what that's what the private equity. In that case, what I'm saying is, the the minority of the time. So say maybe you know twenty to thirty percent, they change ERP. Okay. 
because these guys, unlike buying a house that you're going to hold on to for maybe 10 years, they're only going to hold on to it for a couple. It's like flipping houses, right? Right. So you don't want to put in a whole new HVAC system in a house if it doesn't really need it. But if it really needs it, you got to do it. So that's why they do it. But just I think it's the minority of the time. But there are private equity firms that are out there that buy companies and want to hold on to those companies for the long term. So they have more time to make their money back on that investment. That's right. what I would say. Yeah. Now, the other instance is where there's sort of a merger, right? So uh, we had one that we worked with recently where it was two businesses. One was about, oh, I mean, they're about this, well, a little difference in size, maybe 300 million. And the other one was 200 million. And they came together. And they sort of looked at both organizations, software solutions, and said, these are both bad. Like, we just doubled in size. Neither of our platforms can support this. So we're going to have to switch. So so we helped them through that process. And it was hard, right? Because you've got the people stuff going on. Like, oh, the person who's driving the requirements for, you know, the revenue assurance is, here's what I need, da-da-da-da-da. And then, oh, they quit. Wait. Oh, boy. <laughs> we just built the system around what they needed, Right. So they're hard projects. I've been involved in a lot of those projects over the years, especially when I was with Accenture and we would do that. And it's just a lot of work because you got one group saying, oh, okay, well, this is how we do it. And then the other group says, oh, okay, well, this is how we do it. Okay, well, how are we going to figure out what we do? Well, it depends on how well these companies come together and, and make those decisions. And as a you know consultant, we could help facilitate that process and flush out, hey, here's the best practice. Here's what we should do, but you got to still have these champions. These people are like, yeah, let's go for it. I'm going to be the subject matter expert over this and get it done. So it's a, it, the mergers, it's a, it's a different kind of scenario because usually what happens there though, is really a merger is more like an acquisition where the bigger company buys the smaller company and the bigger company has worked out a lot of stuff already Mm -hmm. in their system. So it's usually easier for the smaller company to just move into the bigger company software. But again, I can think of five instances where we didn't do that. So you could always leave the little guy um, on their existing system. And again, bring in trial balance data, bring in operational data for KPI reporting and analytics. And you sort of can live in this like, you know, two world system or two system world uh, where they at least they integrate for some key things. Yeah. Well, maybe um, this will continue on with that answer, but um, can you speak to some different scenarios as it relates to ERP systems and mergers and acquisitions? Like, have you seen any strategies or scenarios um, that work more successfully than others? Oh, um, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yes. I don't know what they yes. are, but I'm like, hmm, what are those? I, I, again, it's, I, I've, I've talked about several of them, but um, I guess in my experience, now I'm not a PE guy, right? I'm, I'm not an operator who built this business to 250 million and sold it or, Whatever, right? I'm I'm just the ERP guy. That's 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 what I am, and and we are. We all are here, and gals, of course. <laughs> but from our view, from the broader firm's view, um, 
I'm thinking of like Quentin and Carly and Justin and Grant and, you know, Dave and, and uh, Robert and Brian, all these people that are involved in all these real projects. Like what is the best thing to do typically? What would we say? And I, I think, whew, I think the answer is the least amount of change, the better. Always. Right. right? right. Um, it's, it's just, there's so much volatility in an M&A deal already between the people, right? Like, oh yeah, we're merging. Like when I was at, uh, uh, I can use these names. Yeah, it's fine. When I was at PeopleSoft, J.D. Edwards, like, oh, we're coming together and there's a little bit of overlap, but there's some differences and it's going to be great. PeopleSoft was buying J.D. Edwards. That's what was happening. It wasn't necessarily positioned that way, but but that's what happened. And it made sense because of the, just whatever, the financial performance of both firms, who was a little stronger than the other, who could do it, right? And then, of course, Oracle came and gobble, gobble, gobbled the whole thing. But um, that one was much more clear. That's the good news about a firm like Oracle is you do know where you stand usually in that that acquisition, although they've done a really nice job with NetSuite. So um, that's that's another one. We could talk about that acquisition or, or merger, I guess you could say. It's more like, it was definitely an acquisition, but um, they've done a great job of pulling that one off, a really good job of pulling that, of leaving the NetSuite autonomous as its own um, global business unit and letting them kind of do their thing. So um, so I think that's been good, but, um, you know, what, I think what we have seen is the best is again, the least amount of change. And I really loved the model. I told you earlier, where leave the legacy businesses on their existing software, get whatever data that you can suck it into whatever systems, whether it's like an FPNA or corporate performance management and enterprise performance management tool, or and grab operational data out of these systems and push it into like a click or um, Tableau, Power BI, you know, nice, strong analytics, um, uh, Snowflake, like these tools that they can store like gobs and gobs and gobs of data, you know, and then write the analytics on top of that to see how uh, contribution margin by product is or whatever. You're not going to get that out of your trial balance. So, I mean, that's that's probably what I think is sort of best practice. Um, but again, there are scenarios like we're involved in several of them right now where that's not best practice for these organizations, where um, to grow, to meet the strategic goals of the organization, they have to be on the same software solution. If they're on different ones, it's not going to work. So I, I think that the maybe the nugget I could give everybody um, on this is when when the business operations are different, typically okay to leave them on different platforms. But the more similar the operations are amongst the entities, the better chance you have to get ROI by putting them on one solution. I think that's a really good rule to kind of look at, right? So mm-hmm. like, again, thinking of an organization we're in right now, very adjacent products, they really want to tuck in one of the products into the product portfolio. You better get on one system to do that. But um, another business, again, one that we worked with recently, just completely different, very similar. There were some similarities, but the system requirements are so different that it's okay to leave them out there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's what I would say. Yes. Well, kind of high level, because um, I think this question is pretty large to answer, but how does a company approach finding the best strategy for their M&A. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we use a lens. Maybe it's borrowed from someplace else along the way that I used to work, <clears throat> where we look at strategy, people, process, and technology with all of our clients. And we sort of say, what really is the strategy here? And what are what do the people really like in the culture and their tech savviness? And what are the business processes that they operate? And what are the technology platforms and pillars and goals? And, oh, we have to be all cloud or, oh, we're, we've got serious security risks, so we have to be in a private cloud or whatever they are, right? We look at those four lenses in sort of a kaleidoscope, right? And that is what I would definitely recommend to anybody going through M&A and evaluating systems is you have to look at those four areas to say from a strategy perspective, um, how does new software support our ongoing strategy, right? So I can think of a data center project that we did several years ago where, man, they wanted lights out billing. They didn't want a person to touch the billing because they were going to scale from, they were going to double in less than five years. And they needed that level of automation. Didn't have it before. Now you need it. That's the strategy. You're going to have to suck it up and hope like hell that we can pull it off, right? <laughs> Whew. Still get a little oh, queasy on that one. Um, but so the strategy sort of drives to like what we're trying to do into the future. So that's important. Whereas if the strategy is from a PE's perspective, hey, we're going to go, we're going to buy this business. We're going to help them out. We're going to help the operators to get some best practices and get some stuff in. And then we're going to sell this in five years. Don't change, right? That's the strategy, right? The people side, <clears throat> you have to understand that, that you can hire as many consultants as you want. I got a lot of them, but it is going to be those people in that organization that are really gonna be um, dependent upon doing key factors for the implementation. And if you have a team that's interested in that, that has some background that, that sees a long-term value in it, great. But if you have a team that doesn't, man, you are setting yourself up to fail. You, again, you can bring in five, $10 million worth of consultants. They still can't be the ones that make the decision on how the chart of accounts should be set up. It really needs to be key people at that. So people's huge. Process. If you have a straightforward business, much easier to automate with enterprise software. If you have a super complex business processes where you're doing all kinds of crazy wild stuff that's not very um, static, where it's very dynamic, that's going to be hard to automate in the system. Um, and then the last area is technology, whereas if we're on legacy technology, so PE buys an organization and the technology is legacy, it's old, right? And then they look to, to turn the company out and, and spin it around in five years. Chances are the next buyer is bigger and more sophisticated will say, I'm not buying this because the technology is old. You got to fix it. Well, I'm not going to take that risk. Okay, well, we'll just discount the purchase price by... An, an, an exorbitant amount more than what it would have cost to have done it. Right. <laughs> Guaranteed. I would advise and acquire, oh, you need to replace uh, Sage 100. And, you know, we could probably do that project for $500,000 all in. But, you know, I would say take 5 million off because it could be that terrible and ugly. Like literally you're going to lose money if you have super old technology. So strategy, people, process, technology, look at that kaleidoscope, look at each one of those lenses and the answer just, it, it will just pop out. The truth will be there. There's really truth in that. And it, because it's important to say there is no right answer, Right. It really does depend on what you're trying to drive from those four areas with the business today and then going forward. That's right. That's right. And I and I 
bottom line, what I get out of this is it's a matter of whether or not um, you're going to keep the company, what you invest in. And if it matters enough to you to pay the price and go through um, an ERP implementation, or if honestly, you're just buying it and you're going to move on, like just, it can just stay as it is, right? Literally, that's what it comes down to. Right. Right. But, but is the it's, headache, it's, it's, the expense it's of it all worth it? I was just going to say, yeah, like you move into a house, right? If you're, I mean, I, I don't even, I learned a rule years ago about housework. Like, oh, so you think it's going to take 30 minutes. So you double the time, right? So 60, and then you, you go to the next increment. Oh, 30 minutes will take me 60 hours <laughs> to do a project, right? Maybe it's not that bad. Well, I'll have to ask my wife on that one. Um, but but it's sort of the same thing with, with these ERP projects that they are, that there's orders of magnitude that you don't even think about data. We had a client that um, was acquired and they really needed to get out of their old legacy system because the old parent company was ending the contract for supporting it. They paid us a million dollars for data migration. Oh, wow. The data oh, wow. had to get out. It was a nightmare. And it had to get the data to run the business. Right. Fortunately, we figured it out and we got it done. If it hadn't gotten done, what would this organization done to run their business going into the future? So right. it's right. there's so many factors that come into it that you don't even think about. It literally is like rebuilding your house. It's not even just like remodeling in some instances. It's rebuilding it. Right. So just that the key thing, Juliet, that I want you to know, and everybody else who's listening to this is just be aware of what could happen. And again, use the kaleidoscope, have a little bit of fear in your stomach when you look at this, but the answer will be clear on what to do. Just like, you know, you got kids and you're going to have more kids and you're in a two bedroom house and you want to have more kids and like, we got to go. We don't have a choice. We got to do this. And you'll make it go right. You'll make it go right. Once you know exactly what the, what the right thing is to do for everybody. That's right. Well, we've discussed this on other calls before. Like you can either make the decision or the decision will be made for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. All it takes is an acquirer, a potential acquirer to come in and do their diligence on you when you have an old system to say, Ooh, uh, I was going to offer you, you know, a certain amount of money, but because your old system, I'm, I, I can't do this or that kills a deal. And we've had companies come to us that say, we didn't get acquired because our technology was so old. Help us. Right. So you're right. The decision will be made for you. I think you're exactly right. Right. <laughs> and fingers crossed that you get a uh, good valuer that can bring back valuable information. Right. And correct information. That's yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So, well, I think we're coming to the end of our time. So any like parting words to kind of wrap up um, our chat today? Because I think we could continue talking about this for so much longer and maybe we'll pick yeah. it up in another call, but any parting words to kind of tie up today's call? Yeah. Um, I, I would say this is a bit of a different angle, but when you talk to a software vendor, a salesperson, um, and we talk about this a lot, right? Especially in this M&A world. Um, you know, they, they don't necessarily have all the insights into what is happening for real in the situation. And that's not their job to. Their job is to sell their software, right? 
So, so just, but especially in this, this, this area, just be weary of a promise, you know, of, oh yeah, you can put in this solution and it's going to drive these synergy costs and it'll pay for itself in six months because you're going to have uh, better purchasing volume because you can hit higher minimum order quantities, or you're going to have better planning. Your inventory turns are going to go down because you can see your inventory around the world because it's all in one app. There's again, those are those are good points and they're they're truths, but to get to those points just takes time. It just takes time. Now, if you want to sort of consolidate AP across all these businesses that you bought, and you want to go buy an ERP for that. Okay, but you know there are procure-to-pay solutions that are best of breeds that you could use too that are a hell of a lot cheaper that integrate. Don't tell the ERP guys I said that. No, they'll be the first ones that that say that. They know they've got good partners out there. So the key the key point is, um, you know, if it doesn't seem like it's gonna, if you feel like it's not gonna be easy to do this, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Right, (laughs) right. It can be done. Right. Like I said, going through an M&A on its own is stressful, right? right? And then, as we know, going through an implementation on its own is stressful. So combining those two together, I can't even imagine, right? Right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, well, Sean, thank you as always for sharing your experience and knowledge with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. And thank you, everyone, um, for joining us for today's call. Please let us know if you have any questions. We're happy to help in any way we can. Um, You can call us, email us, whatever works best. We're happy to help. Be sure to join us for our next webinar scheduled for Thursday, March 24th. We will be offering a free CPE event, Introduction to ERP Systems. We'll cover the basics of ERP systems, from how to buy an ERP system, to what to buy, and from whom to buy for a complete ERP implementation. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com, for more details and to register. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid- to large-sized businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equates to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor. Thank you for joining us. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software consulting firms, advising mid to large-sized businesses on selecting and implementing business applications, including ERP, CRM, HCM, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor.